Amen. I, I, I want to mention something to you um, in the light of the day we had yesterday, because I want to tell you this, and I hope you'll be proud of me. I, I, I read something on social media a few days ago from a pastor I know back in the UK, and he said, nobody who is truly a Christian will have anything whatever to do with Halloween. And you've got to be proud of me because I didn't reply. <laughs> Trust me, I wanted to. Now, I'm not talking about all the weirdness and stuff. I don't want to be a part of that as well. But if we can take an event and we can use it for good and we can use it for our God's purposes, then isn't that a great thing to do? Amen. So. I, I always remember about this time of year when, when, when our, our children were young. We lived in the northeast of Scotland. Now, you've got to appreciate in different countries they do things differently, right? So when Halloween came around, we didn't have pumpkins. Now, I know that's weird, right? But, but you, I never saw a pumpkin apart from, you know, when I saw the movie of Cinderella. I, I, I never saw a pumpkin until I actually came to this country. You know, we lived without pumpkin spice. It's hard, but it's doable. And, and no, we, we didn't have pumpkin pie I'd never, I'd never heard of. It's like, what the heck? Never did it. No, I, I've caught up since. Um, but what we used to do for the kids was we used to get turnips, big turnips, and carve them out. Now, you parents know when your kids are little, they don't carve out anything. They're like, can we make, can we make lanterns? Yeah, sure we can, right? And, and, and that's as far as it goes. Then it's up to you. And, and my hands would be like ribbons, you know, messed up. I'm carving these turnips so hard to carve. And we'd carve the turnips and you'd carve out a face on the front of the turnip and, and, and then you'd put a little candle inside of it. And they'd go out with their candles and their turnips, and they'd go door to door around the little community that we lived in that way. But I always dreaded that time of year because it killed my hand. <laughs> I am so happy to live in the land of pumpkins. <laughs> and if you think they're tough at times, try a turnip. <laughs> But uh, I love the fact that we're able to take things that are going on around us and use us for God's glory. It's kind of fitting, I guess, that this weekend in our teaching series going through the absolutes of what we believe, we come to the Holy Ghost. I never could work that out because… Uh, you know, a lot of people who are in my era, we grew up with the King James Version that always used the term Holy Ghost. And when I was young, I couldn't figure that out. I had God the Father pictured like an old man with white hair and white beard. That was my picture, right? And some of you still got that. And that's fine, whatever, right? That was the picture. So that's the Father. Jesus, I got an idea of because I read about him in the Gospels, but the Holy Ghost. Like, is there a heavenly Casper? I had no idea. I had no idea. And it wasn't until I came to know the Lord myself and I got to know a little bit more of the Bible that I got a greater grasp on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And 
This fall, as we're focusing on the things that are important to us and that we believe, we're working through them in our foundation series on Monday nights on Zoom, Tuesday mornings here, and Wednesday evenings here. We're working through the, the, them there. And also alongside that, we're going through the statement of what we believe, which you'll find on our website. And there's a whole paragraph there about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you will remember perhaps that I'd said we, we actually just put together our statement of what we believe when we started our church so that if anybody said, you know, what do you believe? Here it is. And, and, and it, it's kind of long-winded. And, and, and I think it sounds a little bit academic. But in those days, I was looking to impress people. Those days are gone now. Um, so let me read you what it says, and then I'll break it down, okay? The essential accompaniment of a genuine saving relationship with Jesus is a life of holiness and obedience attained by believers as they submit to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He was sent into the world by the Father and the Son to apply to mankind the saving work of Jesus. He enlightens the minds of sinners, awakens in them recognition of their need of a Savior, and regenerates them. At the point of salvation, He permanently indwells every believer to become the source of assurance, strength, and wisdom, and uniquely endows each believer with gifts for the building up of the church. The Holy Spirit guides believers in understanding and applying the Scripture. His power and control are appropriated by faith, making it possible for the believer to, leave a, to lead a life of Christ-like character and to bear fruit to the glory of the Father. I said it was a lot of words. But let me talk about the Holy Spirit. In, in that statement of what we believe, it says this, that God's ultimate plan for us is a life of holiness and obedience. God's ultimate plan for us is a life of holiness and obedience. Now, I understand that even the word holiness can be kind of misinterpreted. It's like, what do you think of when you hear holiness? thinking a nun, or what are you thinking of? I, I love one of the, one of the um, translations of, of uh, the Hebrew word for holy that's used in the Bible is simply different. And God's plan for us is that we should be different. Like God's different. God is holy. He's different from how mankind is. And God's plan for us is that we should live our lives in a way that is holy, that is different. We don't get caught up in the same values and the same lifestyles of those who live without God. That's the whole thing there, a life of holiness and a life of obedience, a life doing the things that God says that we really need to be doing. That's the ultimate plan for us. When we come to Christ and put our faith in Christ, our salvation is instantaneous. 
John 1, 12 says, to as many as received Jesus, he gave the right to become the sons of God. You believe in Christ, you become a child of God. Okay, done deal, done deal. But, or now let's say and, and then a journey begins of God shaping us to make us different and to help us obey what he says to us. Are you with me with that? Okay, because that's how it works out. And sometimes we, we, we fail to realize. Some people think, well, now I'm a Christian. I ought to be totally perfect. No, that's our goal. That's our goal. And the Holy Spirit helps us towards that goal. Now, now a, a few things about the Holy Spirit, pulling it from our statement of faith, pulling it from the Scripture. We talk, we talk in our statement of faith about the Holy Spirit being sent into the world. He was sent into the world by the Father and the Son to apply the, to mankind the saving work of Jesus. Really, this morning brings up this whole theme, which was covered already, and I must say very well, I felt, in the Foundation series a couple of weeks ago, the, the whole concept of the Trinity. And... Uh, I, I, I loved the way that in that teaching, you know, the statement was made, basically, you're not going to be able probably to fully grasp this because the human brain can never fully understand God. But the whole concept of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was sent into the world. You see, the Bible begins with a statement that points us to the Trinity. A literal translation of Genesis 1-1 would read like this. In the beginning, God's, He created the heaven and the earth. Right? Now, it doesn't read like that in any Bible that we know. In our Bibles, it's put, they thought, you know, the translators, I guess, thought they put it sensibly. They say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But the literally translated, it is, in the beginning, God's, He created. So, God is presented to us. The very opening phrase of the Bible, God is presented to us in a way that points us towards multiple aspects of God. In Genesis 1 and verse 26, it tells us this. It says, God said, let us make mankind. Let us make mankind. Who's he talking to? God the Father, we now presume, is talking to God the Son and talking to God the Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind. Mankind, And in fact, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he, here's what it tells us. It says, the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. So you've got the plurality there. Again, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Same thing again. So the plurality that there is in the Godhead is seen right through Scripture. And, and, and I like the way that uh, Tom, um, what's his last name? Holiday. Holiday. Tom, thank you, Tom Holiday. You can stay. I like the way that Tom, Tom Holiday in the Foundations course, um, he referred to, to, to a, a passage of Scripture that uh, perfectly illustrates the Trinity. It's when Jesus was being baptized in the River Jordan. 
by John the Baptist. And, and it says this. So Jesus is being baptized in the River Jordan. And it says, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So here's Jesus in the water getting baptized. Here's the Holy Spirit coming down in the shape of a dove. And here's the voice of the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. So you've got the Father, you've got the Son, you've got the Holy Spirit, all there involved at the same time. Right? So, the Holy Spirit is more than just a blessing from God or an influence from God. He is God himself living in believers. Tom Holliday again made the, made the um, parallel. He said, if you think about water, you know, you take H2O and, and actually you can have H2O in three forms, but it's still the same thing. It can be liquid, right? It can be steam, vapor, and it can be ice. They're all water. They're all the same thing. But actually, they've got diff they have different attributes at, and are seen in different ways at different times. So that's kind of a concept of the Trinity. And, and God sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John 14 and verse 16. I will ask the Father. He will give you another comforter, and he will never leave you. So Jesus is preparing the disciples for the reality that he's going to be going away, which to them was like disaster. You know, he had been the center of their lives and of everything they'd done for three and a half years, and now Jesus starts to talk about that fact that he was going to be away, and they were going to be left alone in a very hostile environment as followers of Christ. And Jesus gives them this promise. He said, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask the Father, and, and he is going to send you another comforter. The, the, the concept of the word comforter that's used there is very simply somebody who comes alongside you to help you out. And Jesus said, I'm going to send somebody to come alongside you and to help you out, right? Not like my father sat beside me the first time I ever went to drive a car. I think he was there to protect basically my life and his car. And his life in the car came out of that really good, but I decided I can't do this. Not with him sitting beside me. And if you do that with your parents, it's like, you know, they became another person. My father was the most mild-mannered, quiet, reserved kind of guy you could ever imagine. But when I started driving his car, he was transformed into some ugly human being I had never seen in my life before. So that's not, that's not the way Jesus comes alongside to help us, okay? The, 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 or the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes. I was thinking it's more like kind of when, when, when I was first asked to preach, I was about 13 years old, and my pastor asked me to preach in the youth group, which he, he oversaw. And, and he, I said, well, I mean, I said yes to everything. Like when I was a kid, I tend to do that nowadays. So I said, yeah, will you, will you preach, Roger? Yeah, Sure. And then, a few minutes later, I said to him, how do I do that? 
And he said, why don't you come over and have dinner with us next week? And after dinner, you and I will sit down together and we'll do it. And he guided me through. He gave me the idea what to talk about. He could, you know what I mean? I mean, basically, I stood up and said what he told me to say. But, but, but he was there to guide me right through. And Jesus says, I'm going to be leaving you, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to be there to guide you and to help you. In, in fact, in John 16 and verse 7, he said, Jesus said this, the fact of the matter is, it's best for you that I go away. If I don't, the comforter won't come. If I do, he will, for I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's best for you that I go away. And if you think about it, there's a number of aspects in which that was true. Number one, Jesus was speaking these words to his disciples in a room in the city of Jerusalem, right? That's where Jesus was. Now, back home where he'd grown up in Nazareth, Jesus was not there. He was in Jerusalem. Or down in Egypt where he'd spent some years in his infancy, Jesus wasn't there. He was in one room in Nazareth. Sorry, in Jerusalem. In fact, if you went next door to that place in Jerusalem, Jesus wasn't next door because he was in that room. Are you with me? The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit coming is this. God is here with us this morning. But see, just further along Horse Block in Axis Church, God's there as well. And just up the road here in Integrity Church, God's there too. And you know what? When you get in your car to leave this morning, God will be there as well. Drive accordingly. But, but God will be there. And the beauty is, you, the beauty of, Jesus said, look, look, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's best for you that I go away because when the, the comfort is going to come and things are different because the Holy Spirit would be actually with people wherever they were. He was limited by time and space. But the coming of the Holy Spirit not only compensates for Jesus' physical presence, but actually he talked about how the Holy Spirit would equip us to live life in the hostile environment of this world. The Holy Spirit was sent by God to us. Now, the second thing about the Holy Spirit is this. He indwells and instructs believers. So what we say in our statement of beliefs is this. At the point of salvation, He permanently indwells every believer to become the source of assurance, strength, and wisdom. So the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us and to be to us a source of assurance. I bet there's at least one person here who at some point in your life have doubted your salvation. Right? And I know that because I'd be that one. Right? And there's more of us at different times like, you know, we, we might have been through that. But, but then... Here's what it says in the book of Romans. It says, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, witnesses with our spirits that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit assures us 
of our salvation. The Holy Spirit gives us strength. Bible says this, says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, he's given us a spirit of power, and he's given us love and soundness of mind. That's the Holy Spirit, he gives us strength. And the Holy Spirit is a source of wisdom, it's one of his names in the book of Isaiah, the spirit of wisdom. And Jesus said this to his disciples, he said, you know him, for he lives with you, but he will be in you. He talked about the Holy Spirit being sent and the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And the Holy Spirit who lives in us guides us, directs us, and shapes us to obey Christ and to be wholly different as Jesus is different. It's what He does. The Holy Spirit specializes in bringing order out of chaos. Now, that means today, if you're wondering where your life's going and what the way out is, I want to tell you this, God can do that for you. The Holy Spirit specializes in bringing order out of chaos. Right at the beginning of the Bible, as he's introduced to us in the book of Genesis, here, here, here's what it says, Genesis 1-2, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit started to move, and the Holy Spirit was a key person in creation. God brings order out of chaos. The Holy Spirit shapes us, instructs us. He speaks to us. In Romans 8, verse 14, it says this, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So we need to learn to recognize and we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says this, if you leave God's paths and go astray, you will hear a voice behind you saying, no, this is the way, walk here. If you leave God's path and go astray, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk here. Now, just a point of simplest clarification, you will probably not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit with your ears. Now, don't get me wrong, because there are times when something that is said to you by someone else is something that God the Holy Spirit will guide you really straight to your heart, and you'll say, whoa, yeah, I need to do that. But you won't hear the Holy Spirit directly with your ears. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit through the inner voice. The voice that says, no, 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 this is the way. This is the way. And we need to learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we need to learn to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us to guide us. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept, look at this, kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. 
But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. So the Holy Spirit not only tells us this is the way you need to be going in, sometimes the Holy Spirit closes the path for us. Or sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, no, no, you don't go there. You don't go there. What happened in that segment of the book of Acts was in the end, Paul ended up with his companions going to preach in Philippi, and that was the first major Gentile stronghold where the gospel had been preached, and it opened up the whole of the Gentile world. That's what God wanted. You know, sometimes closed doors are not misfortune. Don't always ask God, you know, why didn't I get that? Why didn't that happen? Just trust that there's a reason. Trust that there's a purpose because God's got the plan. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to us and say, not that way. And I want to encourage you, when that happens, don't go. When something in you says, no. Listen to that no. Respond to that no. Galatians 5 verse 16 says this, I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to do. All right, there'll always be the battle, the evil nature, the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize the two voices and respond to the right one. So the Holy Spirit guides us. There's another great thing. The Holy Spirit protects us. I, 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 I actually, I added this bit in, I think, at the start of this past week because I was reading the Bible and this scripture in the book of Ephesians came to my mind. And, and, and here's what it says in Ephesians 4.30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And if we could just keep that verse in front of us for a moment or two. I, I, a couple of weeks ago when I talked about salvation, uh, one or two people asked me good questions afterwards because they weren't fully able to grasp what I was saying about the fact that once someone is born again, their eternal destiny is settled once and for all there and then. And I get it because there are a lot of people here, there, and everywhere who tell you something different. Like, you've got to make sure you hold on to your salvation and don't lose it. The Bible says nothing about losing your salvation. It says we're kept by the power of God. And here in Ephesians 4, it tells you who does it. It says the Holy Spirit has sealed you for the day of redemption. The picture is, you know, back then, if you were gonna, if you were gonna send a message, a, a letter to someone, I guess they used kind of manuscript stuff and scrolls, and you'd write your letter and you'd roll it up, and then you'd put some wax on there, hot wax, and then you'd make the imprint uh, from your own seal, and then the letter was closed. And, and, and then particularly if it was a letter from someone who was important, somebody significant, if someone was threatened to tamper with it, they'd see the seal and they'd see whose it was. And I want to tell you this, Ephesians 4.30 tells me this, if anybody wants to mess with me and with my eternal salvation, they better check the seal and see who owns me. Amen. Right? I am, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We're sealed until 
the day of redemption. Till then, when, when, when our Jonathan was little, one Christmas, all he wanted was a bike. Now, we didn't have a lot of money, but I remember going by this place one day where there, where there were bikes, and, uh, and, and, and uh, he's looking in and said, oh, I'd love to have that bike. I'd love. And you know what it's like as parents, don't you? You'd love them to have that bike, but how the heck is this going to happen? And uh, I couldn't get this bike out of my mind and so wanted to do it. And, and, and nearing Christmas, we received a couple of very generous Christmas gifts that we weren't expecting. And I was in a position to get the bike. And I wanted to get it because every time I went by that place, I'd look in the window and make sure it was still there. But I wanted it, but here's the thing. I wanted to be able to hide the bike till Christmas morning, right? And I didn't have too many options. So this wasn't kind of a way of life much back then. But I went in and said to the guy, if I pay for that bike in full, can you keep it here? And I'll pick it up at the last moment on Christmas Eve. And he said, yeah, sure. I had paid in full for that bike. It was mine until the moment I went to pick it up. Here's the thing. Jesus has paid in full for your salvation and mine, and we are absolutely unquestionably His till the day He comes to pick us up. Sealed, sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit seals us. You know, it's 1056. Okay. All right, give me a second here. Well, I'm not going to say I'm going to finish this next week. So, I'm not going to give you the pleasure of hearing that. So, all right, let, let's, let's just jump over to this. And the Holy Spirit also is the one, the Bible says, who endows believers with gifts. He empowers us and He enables us to serve God. You know, right back in the Old Testament, when God had led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and they were on this journey through the wilderness to the promised land, and God said that He wanted them to make a, like a, a, a tabernacle, it was called. It was like a huge tent. Where, where basically the people could go and sacrifice and prayers could be offered. And he gave specific instructions for how this whole tabernacle was going to be made. And, and there's an interesting statement in Exodus chapter 31. It says this in verse 2. God says, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and all kinds of skills. And Bezalel began, became the guy who made so much of the stuff that was part of the tabernacle. And, and the secret was that the Holy Spirit filled him and enabled him to do what God wanted him to do. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit enables every one of us to be the people God wants us to be. That's why He guides us and speaks to us. But also to do the things 
that God wants us to do. Right before Jesus was going back to heaven in Luke 24, 49, he said this to his followers. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. It was the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city till you have been clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit coming would, would, would empower them. Uh, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He would empower them to take the gospel to others. Acts 2.4 says this, and all of them then were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I want to say a word or two here as, as a recovering Pentecostal. And uh, that is this, you know, I thank God for my background and my inherit, my heritage. I, was, I, I came to know Christ in a Pentecostal church, in a Pentecostal environment, and pastored in a Pentecostal environment for a number of years. But I do want to say this, I think one of the areas we missed the boat was when it came to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and in Pentecostal circus, we got hung up on speaking in tongues, and we lost sight of why Jesus said He was sending the Holy Spirit, and He, said, he didn't say He was sending the Holy Spirit so people could speak in tongues. I believe in that. It's in the Bible. I do it. But Jesus didn't say, I'm sending the Holy Spirit so you can speak in tongues. He said, I am sending the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, 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 and we, 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 we took what was part of the evidence of the Holy Spirit coming on the followers of Jesus right at the beginning, and we made that sort of front and center of what we were all about. And I'm going to tell you this, what we are all about is not, is not speaking in tongues and manifestations of the Holy Spirit's presence. Those are great if, when they happen. But here's what we're really all about, is receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to be the people Jesus wants us to be so that we can share the gospel for those who need Jesus. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. In fact, it's interesting in Acts 2 when it says the Holy Spirit came on and they all spoke in other tongues. It says then they went out into the streets and they were doing it in the streets. And Jerusalem at that time was packed with people from all over the place who had come for the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost and they spoke, all spoke their own languages. And they, they were absolutely amazed and they said to each other, what's going on here? We can hear them speaking about God's greatness in our own tongue. And they were speaking languages that the people could understand, and the outcome of that was 3,000 people were baptized that day as believers in Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts to empower us and to enable us to live for Jesus. And there are a multitude of those gifts. The Bible says that faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Generosity is. Serving others is. Praying for sick people is. Being able to speak words of encouragement to people is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and there are so many of them. So the bottom line is this. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Or as some other translations put it, be 
filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. How do we live the way God wants us to? Be filled with the Spirit. How do we do the things God wants us to do? Be filled with the Spirit. The early church was told to go and pray and wait for Him to come. We don't have to because the Holy Spirit came on that day. And God by the Holy Spirit is here with us this morning. And as I conclude, I want to recommend to you a very simple prayer that might help you at the start of every day. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, use me. Let's recognize that by ourselves, we are helpless and hopeless. But Jesus sent the Comforter to come alongside us to help us. And we need to regularly recognize our need of God the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, will you fill me? Holy Spirit, will you use me today?